Hey, hello, good to see everybody. Yes. Oh, man, so good to see everybody around here, Orland uh, campus. Uh, welcome to everybody out in New Lenox as well in Homer Glen. We love you guys. We're so proud of you uh, working and reaching and loving people around there. Everybody online, everybody on Facebook Live during this hour, welcome to this week. We are starting uh, this brand new series this week uh, called Should Happens. And for the next uh, few weeks in September, we're going to be talking a little bit about the shoulds. And just to make sure we all understand where it is we're headed and, and what the shoulds uh, really are, uh, check this out. The shoulds are the expectations that we place on ourselves, on others, and on God. That's really what they are. And many of these expectations uh, that we place on ourselves, many of them probably won't be met, is the truth of the matter. Many of the shoulds that we put on ourselves probably can't be met. And what happens is when you and I begin to live in the shoulds and put all these weights and pressures on our lives, we begin to get frustrated with ourselves and others and disappointed with ourselves and others. And so for the next uh, few weeks, we're going to talk about this and how to relieve some of the pressure of those shoulds in our lives. <clears throat> now, as I stand before you today, I just need to let you know and, and where I'm at and where my heart's at. This is incredible and amazing uh, to me and unique uh, and kind of surreal because I have truly spent the last 10 years or so of my life wrestling through the shoulds and figuring out how to write and prepare and present a series like this. It's like a life lesson uh, for me and a life message. And I continually have been putting it off the last few years. In fact, Pastor Tim, who we all know and love, has been telling me for like the last three years, he's constantly saying to me, Todd, you got to preach the shoulds. You got to preach the shoulds, Todd. And he's just always telling me that. And I'm like, Tim, quit telling me what I should do, okay? You're, just stop it. And, and I just keep putting it off. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like it's the right time or I'm not ready or it's, I'm not ready to explain it. But, but I feel like now is, is the time. I feel like we're at the right place for this. And I want you to know that the concept of the shoulds that, that we are going to unpack over the next few weeks, it truly, truly has the potential to completely revolutionize your friendships, your, your family, your faith and trust in God. It really does. And I know that's a big kind of promise from me. It's, it's like, that's like big potential. And you say, Todd, how can you make such a promise? Here's how I can make it. Because I know that all of us live in the shoulds. We do. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, male or female. Doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. Doesn't matter if you come to church a lot or you never really come to church at all. We all know the weight and the pressure of all these things we feel like we should do and a lot of things we feel like we should not be doing. So here's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to take a look at the shoulds through the lens of the Bible, through God's word. And we're going to find freedom. No kidding. We're going to find freedom from a lot of the weight that we get and carry around in our lives. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to learn how to move from a should life over to a good life. I can't wait for it. 
I also want to tell you just something real quick uh, about these books that are all around our campus and things like that out in the lobbies. Um, it, you know, I talk about people's books and things all the time, but it's weird to talk about my own book, okay? This is like the first book I've ever written. It's probably the only one I'll ever write uh, because it's hard. And... Um, I just don't know that I'll ever do it again, but I want you to know my heart uh, behind uh, this book uh, this weekend, and, and that is that I know so many people who live unnecessarily with the weight of so many pressures and shoulds in their life, and my hope is that they can be free of some of those things. And I also know so many people, as maybe you do, who at some point in their life, God has not acted like he should maybe for them. That's what they feel like. And so they have said, see ya, peace out to God. And my hope and prayer is that people, as they read through this book, will begin to gain trust back in God and put their faith back in God, even when he doesn't always act like they think he should. That's my hope and prayer. And I know there's a lot of people like that in our world. I also want you to know that I have a huge, huge heart for kids who are hungry. And over the last several years, uh, probably eight years or so of my life, I've been doing photography and some things like that. And whenever I sell photography to anybody, I use those proceeds to help feed kids who are hungry through an organization called Eat Art uh, that I started with some friends. And I want you to know that this book project, I want it to be the same type of art project that we can feed kids who are hungry with this book. So that's what we're going to use this book for. And, and here's how <clears throat> it's going to work. One book is going to feed one child for two weeks. Isn't that awesome? So we're going to be able to feed kids with these books. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. <clears throat> so good. And that just fires me up. We, we have, doing the math, we have enough books around our campuses this weekend that where we could feed 100 kids for a whole year. For a year, just by buying books. It's unbelievable, right? So that, that you know, th this thing was like a labor of love to write. But if people can get freed up and live a new life out from underneath the shoulds and we can feed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids, then I'm, I'm fired up about all that. So thanks for partnering with me in that. I hope you'll pick one or two up and, uh, and, and be uh, blessed by that. Now, let me ask you this question to get us all going in the same direction. Do you ever convene courtrooms in your mind? Now, I do. All, all the time. Uh, I, I don't let you see it, but court is almost always in session in my mind. It, it really is. And, and here's kind of how this works uh, for me. Uh, whenever someone asks me to do something, like let's say somebody asked me to go get coffee with them, or somebody asked me and my wife to go have dinner with them, or, or somebody invites me, uh, you know, this fall to, uh, to the Bears game. Um, or something like that, or, or, or no, no, okay, okay. What, what, what if somebody asked me to drive them to the airport or something like that? Whenever anyone asks me to do basically anything, and I even consider saying no to their request, there is immediately a courtroom convened in my mind. And I begin to put myself on trial as to all the reasons that I should do what they are asking me to do. And my guess is this, that your mind convenes courtrooms too. You're constantly talking to yourself about what you should and maybe should not be doing. And so today, to dive into this series, we're going to talk about this, how we should on ourselves a lot of times. We put all kinds of weights and pressures and shoulds all over ourselves. And to think about this, I want you to think about when you were growing up. 
Think about your younger years because the shoulds for a lot of us start when we're really, really small. Maybe when you were little, you played basketball or baseball or football, or maybe you did dance or piano or drums or guitar or something like that. When I was growing up, I played soccer a lot, all the way through elementary school, all the way through junior high. I played a lot of soccer. When I got into high school, my whole like, objective was to make this select travel team in Kansas City. That's where I grew up, Kansas City, Kansas. And my whole goal was to make this team when I was in high school. Actually, here's a picture of me playing soccer in high school. Uh, I was about 16 years old. I, kind of, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's, it's impressive right there with my arm and stuff, but it's weird. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm trying to make this team, and, and I felt like I should make the team, but then I just kept not making the team. But then finally, near the end of my high school career, I made the team. And all of a sudden, I felt like, you know, I shouldn't just make the team. I should be starting on the team. I should be the best in my position. Well, eventually, I got to start. I was the best in my position. And then I felt like, you know what? That's not enough. You know what? You know what I think? I, I should be like the captain of this team. I should be leading this whole deal, right? And that's how the shoulds work, don't they? They just continue to escalate on what we think we should be doing. And a lot of us pick up some of those shoulds when we're really small, when I was 18 years old, I came to college here in Chicagoland at Judson College. And uh, I'll tell you this, uh, when I was in high school, this isn't anything for our high schoolers to emulate, but I didn't study probably as much as I should have. And I didn't care as much about my grades. I got decent grades, but I didn't get great grades in high school. So when I got to college, I can remember clearly, my parents dropping me off at Judson College, I can remember sitting in my dorm room thinking, you know what, this is going to be different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an incredible student in college. I'm going to get A's, okay? That's what I'm gonna, No, no, wait a minute. I'm going to get straight A's. All A's is what I should be doing through my college career. And I put that expectation and that pressure on myself academically. Now, I want you to know, I think I got two A's through all of college, okay? <laughs> I was not the best at some of those things, but I had that weight and that pressure. And a lot of times those shoulds that we pick up when we're in our childhood years, our teenage years, we bring those over into our adult life, and that's when the shoulds begin to get really heavy. When I was 33 years old, so just a couple of months ago, I, uh, <laughs> come on, um, I, I felt like God was talking to me that I should leave Louisville, Kentucky, where I was a youth pastor, and plant a new church in Southern California in Simi Valley. I felt like God was saying that I should do that with my family. And, and that's a should from God. How many of you know that there are good shoulds, right? There are noble shoulds. There are things that you and I should be doing. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. There's good shoulds. This is a good should from God that I should go do that. But here's, here's what I want you to know. I took that good should from God and I did something completely just heavy and burdensome with it. I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I should plant a church. And when, when we get this church up and running... It is going to be the best church that the church has ever seen in the church, okay? It's going to be the biggest. It's going to grow the fastest. It's going to be the baddest. And I put all these expectations and pressures on myself, even in my 30s, of everything we should do. And, and very early on, I was thinking, man, I should lead this better. And, man, people should be more engaged. And, and we should be growing faster. And, and why is that church down the street growing so fast? They, 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 they shouldn't be growing so fast like that. And, and by the way, the church down the street from us in Simi Valley, California, the lead pastor at that church was a guy named Francis Chan. So maybe you know he is. I'll tell you this. I, I should on Francis a lot during uh, those years, okay? But that 
that's next week's message that we should on others, okay? But it, it should be good, okay? But here, here, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Here, um, anything less for me than my completely unrealistic expectations was just not okay, was unacceptable. And as I stand here before you today, I, I wish, I wish I could say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm should free, right? I'm, I'm should free. I have no shoulds. I don't battle them, but that's just not the case. Even just a couple of days ago, like two days ago, I have out my phone. I'm scrolling through Instagram. I come across this post by this guy who's preaching. He's on the East Coast, great preacher, and I punch it so I got volume to it. And I watch this just one-minute clip of this guy preaching. And when, when it gets done, I look at my phone, and I'm like, man, man, he can preach. Man, I should preach like that. I should be able to preach like that. And listen, here's what I want you to know. I, I should on myself all the time. I do. I do. And, and here's what I wonder about you. Here's what I wonder about you. What kind of shoulds are sitting on your shoulder and whispering or shouting in your ear over the last few months or years of your life? What I've discovered is that many of us, we battle both public and private shoulds in our lives. And if you're taking notes, here's how I want to break this down. The public shoulds are the unrealistic expectations that we pick up from someone else. So there's something that someone else says, and we pick those up and we put those into our lives of things that we should do. And there, there's so many of these, maybe just a few examples, maybe your parents, you have great parents, but your parents are always saying, you know what, you, you should be married. You, you should have kids. And so you take that should and you adopt it on yourself and you put that pressure on yourself. And, and here you are today, you're in your 20s, or your 30s, you're single and you're not married yet, you don't have any kids, and you should be okay with that. That's, you should be cool with that, but you can't be because you feel like I should be married, I should have kids, and you're trying to live up to everything maybe that your parents are saying. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe you have a great spouse, but they're always talking about working out and exercise and what the new diet we're going to do is and fitness and, and that sort of thing. And that, that can be all good, but maybe you take that pressure and you put it on yourself. You begin to carry that around and you adopt that. And the truth is this. The truth is, even today, this weekend, everything looks fine on the outside of your life, but the truth is you are stressed out right now about, like, your appearance, about the things that you eat or don't eat. I should have got to the gym, all these other things. You've adopted that on yourself, and it's this heavy weight for you. Or maybe it's at work. Your boss, your boss thinks your job should be your life. You should just, everything should be about the job and, and you want to get promoted there and you want to do well and you want to get a raise. So what do you do? You work all week long. You put in a good week's work, which is what you should do. Those are good shoulds. But then what happens is when you get home on the weekend, you keep working on the weekend. So now you're working all week long and you're working all weekend long and you don't have any time off from work. And this is what we do to ourselves. These, these shoulds that other people put on us can be incredibly heavy. But, but the private shoulds that we put on ourselves can be even heavier. Take a look at this. The private shoulds are just the unrealistic expectations that we place on ourselves. No one, no one really spoke these to us. These are just a string of reoccurring, probably, shoulds that go around and are convened in the courtroom of our minds. 
And this last week, I was journaling and just spending some time in the morning. I wrote down all kinds of shoulds that I'm battling right now. And, and I, I went ahead and typed them out so I can read them. And, and so these are some things I just want to read to you that just this week, not like a few months ago, these are shoulds that I have been wrestling around with, being weighted down with, even like this week. And, and not just me, I've talked to several people through Facebook especially, and these are some of you around this place that these are things you feel like you're wrestling with this week. So some of the shoulds. Uh, I feel like I should be the first one to work every day. I feel like I should be the last one to leave work every day. I feel like I should have the best behaved kids. Big conversation. I know some of you are saying, well, that, that should sip ship sailed. You know, that's hard to say, but Todd, that's, that's long gone. And good luck if you're still there. Um, but uh, what about this? I, I should be the smartest person in any conversation. Or I should be the funniest person in any conversation that I'm in. Do you ever do this, friends? Do you ever get into a conversation with somebody at lunch or dinner or you're on the phone with somebody? And as soon as you get done with the conversation, as soon as you hang up the phone, you immediately start to think about all the things you should have said. Oh, man, I should have said that to them. I shouldn't have said that to them. Should I have said that to them? I can't believe I did that. And we heap shoulds on ourselves after about every single conversation we have. And by the time we get to the end of this message today and dive into God's word, we're going to see how to escape some of those shoulds, I promise. What about this? I should be further along in my career by now. I should be able to overcome this addiction on my own by now. I should own a house by now. I should have kids by now. I feel like our kids should be out of the house by now for some of you, right? I feel like I should have a house that's so clean it can be on HGTV by now. I should be more loving. I should be more patient. I should be more motivated. I should be more generous. I should pray more. I should get angry less. I should waste less time on technology. I should take more vacations. I should spend more time with my kids. I should want to spend more time with my kids, right? I should have more fun. I should have more sex. I should want to have more sex for some, right? Truth. I should laugh more. I should make others laugh more. I should lose weight. I should exercise more. I should drink less. I should go on more dates with my husband or wife. I should want to go on more dates with my husband or wife. The dates I go on with my husband or wife should be more creative, right? I feel like I should be better or richer or smarter. It just, the list goes on and on, right? I feel like I should forgive. I feel like I should forget. It goes on and on. And here's what's happening to us. Here's what's happening, friends. Listen, we are competing at an unwinnable race. That's what's happening inside so many of us, myself included. We're competing at an unwinnable race, even when it comes to the good shoulds. And a lot of things on that list, a lot of things you have in your life are good shoulds. But even when it comes to the good shoulds, there is not enough time in your day or your week or your life to accomplish all of them the way you think you should. And that puts all kinds of pressure on us. In the book, Should Happens, there's a section I want to read to you. It's on page 63 that, that deals with this exact thing we're talking about. And by the way, the, the Should Happens book is, uh, is a story about a guy named Tom Should. Is his last name Should. And his dad's name is Thomas Should. So he's actually a second generation Should. And uh, he has this friend named Hank. And Hank is kind of like his guru his uh, mentor who's helping him through all of the shoulds that he's facing in his life. And, and I described Frank, uh, Hank and what he looks like, but if you want to know what Hank looks like, it's like, you know, uh, you know the most interesting 
man in the world from like the Dos Equis commercials. You know, it's, that, that's like Hank. That's like who Hank is. He's his guru who's helping him through the shoulds from his life. Here's what it says. Even a list of good shoulds always ends in the same place. There are nearly infinite ways you should be better. Now tell me, Tom, can you do anything infinitely? No, Tom admitted. I can't do anything that much. The truth is, Hank continued, there's simply not enough time in your day for you to do everything you think you should do, even when they're good shoulds. If you try to do all of them, you'll soon find that you have no effort left to put toward any of them. In your efforts to care for everyone and everything, you'll soon find yourself not really caring about anyone or anything. The shoulds will weigh us down. So here's the question. What do we do? What's the solution for shoulding and putting all these things on ourselves? Let's get to the solution side from God's word. Here's the solution. If you're taking notes, want to write this down? The solution is grace. Everybody say grace. Grace, the solution to all the weights and the pressures and the frustrations that we get on ourselves is, listen, to truly understand the grace of God that is brought to us through his son Jesus. When we really begin to personalize that, it just frees us up in our lives. Now, take a look at what Jesus said about this in the Bible in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, are you tired? Are you wore out? Burn out on religion? Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, all those weights and those, those pressures. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Jesus wants to free us up from a lot of the things that this world and other people and we ourselves burden ourselves with. It's been probably eight or nine years ago that I really learned and personalized something about Jesus that's so important. I'd probably known this since I was little, but I hadn't really processed it into my life. And when I learned this about Jesus, I'm telling you, it changed the way I live day in and day out. And, and here's what I learned about Jesus that I want you to realize as well, that Jesus didn't just come to remove our sins. He also came to remove our burdens in this life right now. So this, this, is, this is a huge conversation. Jesus came to remove our sins. We know that, especially if you've grown up some in the church. We know that, that Jesus removes our sins, that he came to this earth, and Jesus lived a perfect life. Amen? He lived a perfect life, and yet he went ahead and went to the cross, and he died for us, and then he rose again so that he could defeat death and free us from our sins. So if you have Jesus in your life, if you've been baptized into him, accepted him in your life, now when God looks at you through Jesus, you're sin-free. He has freed you from your sins. He's vanquished your sins, and that is good news. But, but here's what he also does. He also frees us from our burdens, the weights and pressures that we feel right now in our lives, not just saving us for eternity, but freeing us up to live the life we are meant to live this week. Jesus wants to give us a new way of life. It's the way of grace, and grace is humble, and it's easy, and it's light. Here's what grace means. 
Grace means that I am loved and accepted just as I am. Not as I think I should be. Here's what it means for you. Put this in your world. You, every one of you, are loved and accepted just as you are. Not as you think or the world tells you that you should be. And all of that is possible because of Jesus in our lives. Listen to the way author Brennan Manning says this. He says, Jesus, he's crazy about you. He loves you just as you are, not as you should be. I mean, how's that for like the greatest news ever? We, we can stop shooting on ourselves because of Jesus. That's good news. Here, here's what it means. It means that I can step out of this unwinnable race and rest in grace. This unwinnable race and all the pressures and all the shoulds and I should do that and I shouldn't do that and I should be there. We can step out of that unwinnable race and we can rest in the grace of God that his son Jesus brings to us. We can say see ya to the shoulds that weigh us down because he loves us just the way we are right now, today, this week. Let me show you one other place in the Bible. It's in Galatians chapter 2. I want us to build, this weekend we're really building the foundation for this whole series. In Galatians chapter 2, if you have a Bible, I just want to look at this just briefly for a few minutes. And if you, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, find Galatians chapter 2 if you can. And, or, or maybe read Galatians chapter 2 a little bit uh, or later on you know, this, uh, this, this week. But what I want us to realize is the, the shoulds are not anything new. They've been around for a long, long time. And the book of Galatians is written by a guy named Paul. And it's written to a group of people in Galatia. It's a place. It's a city. So they're the Galatians. So it's the book of Galatians. And these people are suffering from a serious case of the shoulds. They have this... They're living underneath this incredible pressure and these unrealistic expectations of the law, of the old law that they were all trying to live up under this Old Testament and the law. And what happened is all these people who were trying to live up to the law, Jesus comes and they meet Jesus and they put their faith in Jesus and he frees them from their sins and he sets them free. And it's amazing, just like for many of us in our lives, right? Jesus has set us free. They don't have to live in the shoulds anymore. But then look at what happens to them in Galatians chapter 1. Look at what Paul says to them. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. Paul looks at him and says, well, what's, what's going on here with you all? I'm astonished at how you're living now. Everybody say astonished. Astonished. Paul says, what's, what's going on? You're being given the opportunity to live in the grace of God and his acceptance. You don't have to should all over yourself anymore. But for some unimaginable reason, these people were giving up living in God's grace and his acceptance. And they were going back to this life of pressure and striving and comparison and depression and guilt and shame and all these things. They'd been set free by Jesus, but now they're living in the shoulds again. Why, why would they do that? Why do we 
do that sometimes? Well, very quickly, we find the answer. Galatians chapter 2, we find out why this was happening. Chapter 2, verse 4. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Here's what's going on. The shoulds are so sneaky. They are so sneaky. And what's going on in Galatians and even today is that there's some people who said they were followers of Jesus, but they weren't because they weren't living in grace and they didn't understand grace. Here's what's going on. This is so important to understand. The first people who came to Jesus and were Christians were Jewish people, right? Jewish Christians because Jesus was Jewish. And so you have all of these Jewish Christians And and what happened is they started to take their old Jewish roots and the old Jewish model, the Judaism model, and they tried to mix that with the new Christian model. And what a lot of these people were thinking when Jesus was around is that Christianity is kind of just an extension of Judaism, of all the things that we felt like we should have been doing for all these years throughout all these things. It's just an extension of that. These people were actually called Judaizers. That's what what they're called. And, And what they were saying was essentially this, man... We now understand Jesus. Jesus came. We saw him. We believe he's the Messiah. We accepted Jesus into our lives as well. And, and, and you, can, you need to accept Jesus. Jesus will set you free. But, 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 you also need to do this and do this and do this and, and, and don't do this and, and don't do this and, and don't do this. And it was all the old law and all the old covenant and, and things like this. Essentially, what these people were is they were this. They were, they were Jesus plus. Jesus plus this and this and this. Have you ever known someone like this, friends? Have you ever known a Jesus plus person? Maybe you've been a Jesus plus person at some point in your life. A Jesus plus person is the person who finds Jesus. They they give their life uh, to him. He vanquishes uh, their shoulds. He gets rid of their sin. They're living a whole new life. They're set free. They don't have to live in the shoulds anymore. But then what happens is instead, so oftentimes, of living in that freedom of Jesus and everything he gives us, these people begin to immediately reintroduce a whole new series of shoulds. And they say things like, you know, Jesus is great. Praise God for Jesus. I mean, you need Jesus. You got baptized into Jesus? I'm so glad. That's so fantastic. I'm so you got baptized into Jesus. He, Jesus has set you free. Praise God for that. But now, but, here, but, but, but here's the thing. Now, now, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do that. And, and don't do this, and don't do this, and definitely do not do that. Right? 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 And, and here, listen, don't miss this. There are good shoulds. There are things that you and I should and should not do. We're going to talk about that. But here's here's what Paul is saying to us through this weekend and to the people in Galatia. He's saying, look, look, if all of those shoulds could save you, then why did Jesus even need to come? If we could just should do this, shouldn't do that, should do that, and we can be good enough and save ourselves, then why did Jesus even need to come and do what he did for us? Now, here's the way he says it in the last part of Galatians chapter 2. He says, for when I tried, this is Paul talking, when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. All those weights and pressures and the things I should do. So I died to the law. 
and I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. It is no longer me who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace, or the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. What, what, what he's saying to us is this, that it's, it's not Jesus plus this and this and, and this and this. It's just Jesus. Amen? It's just Jesus in our lives. And that's it, folks. And, and, and anything you feel like you should add to Jesus is not going to be necessary. Jesus is all good, all on his own. And, and, and check this out. One, one of these days, a relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you, is going to free you from your shoulds, and it's going to save your life. It's going to save your life in eternity, but it's also when you understand what he did and how he loves you just as you are, it's going to free you up from the shoulds even today and this week. Here's what I want to do. I want to pull all this together with just one of my favorite stories uh, that, that really I think applies to this and helps us understand what Jesus has done. It's a story of one of our uh, Ivy League schools, colleges like Harvard or Yale or something like that. And it's the beginning of a new semester, and, and this is a freshman physics class. And uh, this is one of those flunk-out classes for freshmen. Maybe you had one of those. No one's going to pass it. The professor's going to have to grade on the curve. The professor is just brutal. It comes down to the end of the semester in this class, and the professor does something that he's never done before in the history of all of his teaching and all of his classes. He tells all of his students that they can bring one sheet of paper, one eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper into the test and whatever they put on that paper, whatever they can get on that paper, they can use that paper on the test during the final exam. Never done this before. So essentially what he was telling all of his students is that they could create a what? Yeah, that, that, that was really loud and <laughs> disturbing that so many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, correct. A cheat sheet is what he told them about. And so, you know, they go to their dorm rooms and they're getting everything written down and all these theorems and all this stuff for physics and they're comparing papers and the day of the test comes and they all get to class early and they're writing things down and copying things. Oh, I didn't get that one. And they're adding that to their sheet of paper. Th this one kid walks into the room though and his sheet of paper is blank. And everybody's thinking, oh, man, he, he overslept or he didn't get the word and what's going on. He needs to write some things down on there. And this kid comes in and he sets the piece of paper just down beside his desk. Just a few seconds before the final exam is getting handed out, through the front doors of the classroom walks a senior who's graduating in the area of physics. And this senior walks in, walks right over to this kid and stands on his paper. Because the professor said, whatever you can put on your paper, you can use on the test, right? Pretty good, right? Yeah. So how many of you know he aced that test? Whenever he needed any answers, he just said, hey, what's the answer to that? And he aced that test. And I know some of you right now are thinking, Todd, that is the best information I have got at church forever. I am writing that down. That was amazing. 
But here's why I say this. Here's why I bring all of this up. Listen, friends, it's because one of these days there's a final exam coming for each and every one of us, right? And we're going to be standing before God, and God's going to say, why should I give you eternal life? And why should I give you eternal life? And why should I give you eternal life? And you know what? On your own, no matter who you are, you cannot pass that test on your own. And the only thing that is going to save you and bail you out on that day is Jesus Christ coming and standing beside you and saying, oh, this guy right here, he's with me. That girl right there, she's with me. Yeah, yeah. And a relationship with Jesus will save your life. And not only that, a relationship with Jesus, and when we understand who he is and what he's done, allows us, even this week, to not live in the shoulds and all the pressures of what everybody says or what we think we should be doing. We are loved just as we are. We don't have to should on ourselves all week. Isn't that good news? I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing a song about Jesus loving us and knowing who we are. But I want you to know that next week, man, next week is going to be good. We're going to talk about how we should on others. And here's, here's what happens. We, we all have, like, job descriptions for everyone around us, and, and they don't really know about them, but we have them for them, right? And, and so we ended up shooting on them about It's going to be good. Okay, so see you next week on that. But let, let's pray together, and then let's sing about the, the God and the Jesus who, who knows exactly who we are. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time that we can... Uh, carve out time to study and, and to just think about this thing called the, the shoulds that, that we experience in our lives all the time, but God, we maybe don't really think about, <clears throat> we haven't thought about them in these terms, but they get heavy for us during the week. And God, I pray that you would truly free people up this weekend from all the shoulds that they put on themselves. Thank you that we have truth in your word from the book of Matthew and the book of Galatians that this isn't anything new and it's something that you want to set us free from. God, thank you for this. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Everyone says, amen. Amen.